has the power to heal us, has the power to deliver us, has the power to save us. How many believes that the Word of God is powerful today? Amen. Reading out of chapter 1 of the book of Luke, verse 30 and 31. Let's read together out loud if you will. The scripture says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Say these words with me. And shall call his name Jesus. Say that one more time. And shall call his name Jesus. There's power in that name, isn't there? You don't believe me, the next time you get on an elevator, just begin to say the name of Jesus. See what happens. Amen. If you don't believe me, begin to pray in the name of Jesus and see what happens. Amen. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, O God, for Your grace and mercy. We thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. We thank You today, Lord, that we could come to this house of worship. We can break the bread of life together and we can glean from the scriptures that gives us hope. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your magnificent presence that's already in this place. For we have gathered together in your name to worship you, to magnify you, to glorify you, to welcome you into this place, but not only into this place, but into our hearts. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to illuminate the word of God today. Let it come alive in our hearts, Lord, that we would be like the Scripture would say, not hearers of the Word only, but doers of the Word. That faith would arise in our hearts and we would dare to believe. We would dare to receive what you have for us today. And Lord, when the service is over and we close the doors, let us all be able to say that we truly have been in the presence of the Most High God. And I've been changed forever by His grace. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. Go ahead and give Him praise this morning with a hand clap of praise and honor. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on the thought of hope is born. Say that with me. Hope is born. It's been said that religion is when man goes searching for God. I believe there's a part of all of us that have spent time in our lives searching for God. In fact, I know that there are many of us who search for God in this life hoping to appease God. That's what religion is. Religion is, is how can I get favor with God? How can I have the mercy of God? How can I appease the God that created me? Maybe I can do it through my good works, or maybe I can do it through going to church or giving to the needy and giving to the poor. But Christmas is the day that God came looking for you and I. In fact, when we read out of the book of Luke, Luke is writing through eyes of a physician. He's a doctor. And so naturally as a doctor, you see the needs of others and you're moved with compassion about those needs. In fact, if you read the entire book of the book of Luke, his main theme is chapter 19, verse 10. 
Well, Luke said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Christmas, my friend. It's when Jesus came to this earth. And Jesus came searching for us. For you see, I've heard people say that I was going through life and I found Jesus. But I want to remind us this morning that I didn't find Jesus because I wasn't looking for Jesus. But through His grace and His mercy, He found me. I was walking in darkness. I was walking in darkness and I was walking in bondage and I was walking in sin. And one day the Holy Spirit knocked upon my heart's door. And the Holy Spirit illuminated the truth to me. And I, for the first time in my life, I believe that Jesus Christ was and is the Son of God. Because I believe that and I receive that today I'm born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Luke would go on to write in chapter 5 verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician. You've got it all together. You don't need me. You don't need a physician. But I've come for those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, Jesus said, but I came to call sinners unto repentance. In chapter 1, the angel declares the child shall be named Jesus. In fact, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves. His name means Savior. In fact, the scripture would tell us when Christ was born, it was a dark time. It was a hopeless time for those who were living in this day. Imagine walking down the street, and again, this is a physician uh, writing about the days that Jesus was born in. Imagine a day when you was walking down the street and you would see people stricken with sickness and disease all around you and all up and down the street. Imagine a day when you'd walk down the street and you would hear the cries of those who had been stricken with leprosy, crying unclean, unclean, for they wanted you to know not to come near them and not to touch them because of their leprosy. Imagine a day when you would walk down the street and see crippled people and blind beggars everywhere and there was no hope for them. There was no help for them. In fact, even though Luke was a physician, he knew he was limited on what he could do. Imagine a day of spiritual darkness. For the Bible tells us that there's 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Up until the time Jesus was born, no one was hearing from God. No one was speaking on behalf of God. There were no church services. There were no preachers proclaiming the gospel. There was no word of the Lord going forth because it was known as the silent years. Could you imagine a dark time politically because King Herod was in power? We know that King Herod wasn't a nice man. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2 that when the Christ child was born, in fact, Herod said to the wise men, go and find the Christ child, bring him back to me so we all can worship. But we know the motive of King Herod was not to worship Jesus. The motive of King Herod was to destroy Jesus because he felt threatened. His political career had been threatened by this little baby who would be the Christ child that would walk the earth and share a message of love and a message of hope. 
fast forwarding to chapter 3, we see where John the Baptist is now born and God begins to speak. In fact, we read where John began to preach. He was His first sermon was very simple. The fact the Bible says that John's first sermon was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And we see where Jesus begins to preach. His first sermon was pretty simple. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now John is standing on the bank of the Jordan River. And the Bible says in John 1.29 that Jesus is coming toward John. And, and what John does, he gets excited. Here comes cousin Jesus. But he's not only cousin, he is Savior. And the Bible says that John points his finger, paraphrasing here, he points his finger at, at Jesus and says, Behold! Look, the Lamb of God which will take away the sins of the world. And the Bible says that John and Jesus walk out into the middle of the Jordan River. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? God begins to speak. The Bible says that John is standing there with Jesus and he baptizes, baptizes him. And all of a sudden a voice comes out from heaven. He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And something miraculous takes place because the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven in the form of a dove and it lands upon Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. We know that Jesus is around. 30 years old he begins his earthly ministry and now he is setting out to do what God had sent him here to do going to chapter 4 verse 16 Jesus walks into the synagogue one day and the Bible says he goes in and he walks over to the attendant of the synagogue and the Bible says that Jesus took the book of Isaiah out of the hands of the attendant and Jesus begins to read out of the book of Isaiah chapter 61. Now hope is coming. Now they're going to hear the gospel. Now they no longer have to walk in darkness. Now they no longer have to walk in spiritual darkness. Now no longer do they have to be hopeless. No longer is God silent. All of a sudden Jesus takes the book of Isaiah. He opens the book of Isaiah to chapter 61 and in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 the Bible says that Jesus begins to read these words he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me he because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Oh, somebody ought to get excited right there for the good news and give Jesus Christ, the Son of God, an ovation of praise because now good news, hope has come. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is upon me. In Luke 1, he is Savior. He is Yahweh saves. You know the story when Jesus goes into Jerusalem on that donkey. That day they said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. That means, Lord, save us now. Now hope has come. Jesus says, now not only am I Savior, not only am I Yahweh saves, not only am I Hosanna, but now I'm the anointed one, the spirit of the 
Lord is upon me. We see him as the Christ, but now they see him as the anointed one. See, the last name of Jesus isn't Christ. Somebody say amen. It's describing who he is. If you was to read the birth certificate of Jesus, it wouldn't say Jesus Christ. It wouldn't say Jesus Christ 777 Bethlehem Way. Come on, somebody. It would say Jesus Yahweh, the Savior, the Christ, the anointed one has come. Now listen to what Luke records. The Bible says that Luke says, that Jesus stands up. He says, I am the anointed one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And this is what he's anointed me to do. He said, he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Everyone say gospel. Gospel means good news. Pastor Cameron was talking about the good news. It also means a good story. How many knows the gospel is a good story? He said, I've been called, I've been anointed to preach the good news. The Holy Spirit was given by God to Jesus. Jesus was empowered by God with divine capability to fulfill his assignment on earth. And let me give you a side note. I read in the Bible in Acts chapter 1 where Jesus said after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be endued with power. You shall have divine capability. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, the Bible says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there came a sound from heaven. It sounded like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues of fire set upon them. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability. And the Bible said they walked out of the upper room, and they began to share the wondrous, glorious works that the Lord had done. May I remind us this morning uh, that the same Holy Ghost that fell in Acts chapter 2 uh, is the same Holy Ghost that lives on the inside uh, of you and I and now God has given the church of Jesus Christ uh, divine capability. He's given us the anointing uh, to do the miraculous things on earth uh, finish out the ministry of Jesus Christ uh, until that day the trumpet of God sounds uh, and those who are asleep in Christ uh, will rise first and we which are alive and remain we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord but until then we have been anointed we have been called we have been given divine capability to do the works of God upon the earth that they may bring glory and honor and praise unto Jesus Christ so every sinner may take notice that's what Jesus was talking about he said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and not glorify you, not glorify the church of God, but they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. How many still thankful that the Holy Ghost is alive and well, hallelujah, and God has anointed us in these last days. That's why Acts 10.38 says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with 
him. Jesus said, I came to preach. I've came to publish. I've came to proclaim the gospel, which is good news, uh, to tell a good story. And I want to remind us this morning uh, that the gospel is still good news uh, in a bad news world. Someone say amen. I don't know about you, but we hear bad news all the time. My Lord, you can't help but watch the news without getting oppressed, deep, depressed. Uh, if you don't watch, you may even become possessed. Come on, somebody. But the gospel is good news to a world that is lost. The gospel is good news to those who do not know Christ. And then Luke says, he says, not only is it good news, but I want to tell you for a moment, listen to me, I want to tell you for a moment who Jesus has been anointed to preach the gospel, the good news to. He said he's been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Not only economically poor, but spiritually poor. He was talking about those. Remember what Luke said in chapter 5? He said, I'm not come for the righteous. I'm not come for the self-righteous. Oh, I'm not come for those who think they've got it all together. I'm not come uh, for those who don't want anything to do with me. He says, I'm coming to for those uh, who are bankrupt spiritually. You have come to that time in your life. Uh, you've tried everything. You've done everything. You've looked to everyone and everything else. Uh, but you've come to that place in your life uh, that you've realized uh, this world can't give me joy. This world can't give me hope. Uh, this world can't give me deliverance. Uh, yeah, Dr. Phil's a nice guy, but I'm still bound. Uh, Oprah's a nice lady, but I'm still in chains. Uh, but I've come to remind you this morning uh, that there's one named Jesus Christ uh, who said, I've come to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. Uh, it means to be bankrupt uh, spiritually. The best day in your life, uh, the best day in my life, life is when I came to the end of my road. I've tried everything. I did everything. I went here. I went there. I tried this. I tried that. I looked to this person, but I'd still go to bed at night empty and lonely and tired. But the day that I lifted my eyes and I looked unto Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, good news came into my life. I was spiritually bankrupt. I had no hope, but I stand here this this morning over 30 years later and I want you to know I still have the joy of the Lord I still have hope in my soul today I still have a future in Christ Jesus like Gary was singing the devil thought he had me but Jesus Christ came down and he grabbed me hallelujah and he gave me a new life in Christ Jesus that's why when Jesus was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, when you're poor in spirit, when you know you can't fix yourself, when you know you can't, you can't save yourself, it is the best day of your life. When you come to the end of your rope, you tie a knot in the rope, but you realize that I am nothing without Jesus Christ. Luke says he's come to preach to the brokenhearted. Jesus was referring to those who were discouraged because of their plight in life. Oh, we hear it all the time, it's not fair. I was born into this situation. My plight in life is not fair. 
Brokenhearted means to be dashed to pieces. It means to be broken to shivers. It means to be bruised. How many has ever been brokenhearted and bruised this morning? Oh, Jesus said, I came for you if you are bruised. And we know that a bruise takes place underneath the skin. In fact, a bruise is a laceration or an injury that takes place under your skin. That's why Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53 and 5, 700 years before Christ ever came, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. In other words, Jesus was bruised for our bruises. We've all been bruised. We've all been broken hearted. We've all been kicked to the curb. Come on somebody. But Jesus was saying, now listen, what he was saying through Isaiah, 700 years before Isaiah ever, before Jesus ever got here, was this, the world wants to heal you from the outside in. We have more psychologists now than we've ever had before. We have more uh, counselors today, more than we've ever had before. Because we have more people addicted than ever before. We have more people that are depressed than ever before. Do you realize this morning that they've taken a survey? And even though Americans are the richest people on the face of the earth, they're the most downtrodden, they're the most saddest, they're the most depressed, they're the most oppressed. And what Jesus was saying is this, uh, the world may try to fix you from the outside in, but I was bruised for your bruises. And what that means is, I'm not only come to heal you from the outside in, I've come to do something better, my friend. I've come to heal you from the inside out. Come on, somebody. I said he come to heal you from the inside out. Because we know you can tuck all this in, you can you can shave it off and paint it back on, come on. You can dye it any color you want to. Uh, you can wear a, uh, the best suit in America, wear $500 shoes, uh, and, and, and carry around a Gucci purse, come on, whatever that is. But how many knows you can walk around uh, looking like a million dollars on the inside, uh, but on the inside you're dying, uh, on the inside you're not happy, on the inside you're bankrupt, but I've come to remind Mind you, there's a man named Jesus who came to preach the good news to the poor. Hallelujah. That you don't have to be bankrupt. You can have peace. You can have joy in the Holy Ghost. He said, I came to those who were bruised. Oh, yes. And I've also come for those who are being held captive. Jesus came to tell those who are in captivity to their sin and their addiction. You don't have to be like this. You can be free. You can be free. You don't have to live that way. You can be free by the power of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ came to give us spiritual liberty. Jesus said in John 8, 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Is there anyone thankful to be free this morning? Oh, am I talking to the right church? Is there anybody? I don't know about you, but I was bound and oppressed. 
I don't know about you, but I didn't have any hope. But until Jesus came into my life, I was bound and oppressed and busted and disgusted. But this morning, I stand before you by the power of Jesus Christ and the grace of God for whom the Son sets free. It's free indeed. Hallelujah. I'm free by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm coming for the blind. Not only the physical, physically blind. We know that Jesus opened blinded eyes. But you know, there's, there's a greater miracle than having your, 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 your physical eyes opened even though you're blind. I love the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's one of those that Luke was talking about. You know blind Bartimaeus sitting by the roadside begging. <laughs> Give me alms. One day Jesus walks up to him, and I never could figure Jesus out when he said this. For me, this is kind of a, a stupid question. Brian Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you today? Well, Jesus, I really would like to have my eyes opened up. The Bible says that Jesus opened his blinded eyes. <laughs> Brian Bartimaeus kind of wipes his eyes, and he looks around, and here comes some folks, and knowing that he was blind, said, blind Bartimaeus, what happened to you? I really don't know. All I know is I was sitting by the roadside begging, and I heard a voice. He said, what do you want me to do for you today? Blind Bartimaeus said, I've never read the Old Testament. I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't even know what he's, what he's about. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. That's, that, that's my testimony this morning. I don't know what happened to me. I don't know why Jesus loved me. All I know is I was a blind beggar. But one day, Jesus Christ came by my way, and he opened my eyes. And my testimony to you this morning is I don't know much about him, but all I know is I was blind. Blind, but by the grace of God, I can see. Hallelujah. Talking about spiritual blindness. How he knows we live in a spiritually blind nation. Oh, yeah. And Jesus said, Not only am I going to open your physical eyes. I'm going to open your spiritual eyes. How many remembers the day that you gave your life to Christ and Jesus came into your life and he saved you? Raise your hand. Do you remember that day? Is, is it just me or did someone turn the light on? Sister Amberg, yeah, but to that time I just walked around in darkness. It means we were ignorant. It means we didn't know the truth. That's why Jesus said to the Jews who believed in John 8, He said, for those of you who believe that if my word abides in you and you abide in my word, for you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I've come to remind us this morning how many knows the word of God is truth. I like it when Jesus was standing in front of Pilate and Pilate looks at him and says, what is truth? I can see Jesus saying, I am the way, I 
am the truth and I am the life. My friend, what do you mean what is truth? You're looking at him. He said, I've come to open those blinded eyes, those eyes that are spiritually dim. And Jesus said, I'm going to come and I'm going to preach to those who are being oppressed. Oppressed means to be worn out. It means to be exhausted. It means to be tired. It means to be give out, worn out, burn out. And I don't know about you, but I see a world that I live in that is absolutely worn out. You and I walk around every day and we look into the eyes of folks you don't see any hope inside of them. We walk around every day and we see a people that is absolutely worn out. And let's take it a step further, my friend. You can come to church. You can read your Bible. But how many knows that the world and this life has a way of wearing us out? And Jesus said, I've come for the oppressed. I'm going to preach to the oppressed to let them know that you don't have to be oppressed. Because in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's talking about a rest that comes with knowing Christ physically. He's talking about a spiritual rest. And one day when we leave this world, we will enter into eternal rest. Come on, somebody. That's why Jesus said, he said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to know if you're weary this morning, I want you to know if you're worn out because of life uh, There is a person named Jesus Christ uh, You can run to him uh, He will give you rest uh, And let me tell you my friend uh, The rest of Jesus Christ uh, It does not compare to the rest this world can give you uh, Oh my friend uh, You may be able to lay down in a comfortable bed And get a good night's sleep uh, But this goes way beyond that my friend uh, Jesus Christ uh, can give you a rest uh, that is beyond description uh, he can give you a peace uh, he can give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding all he's waiting for you to do uh, is hear and believe and receive the gospel and let him give you a rest that only comes from God hallelujah then Jesus says in verse 20 I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Oh, this is good. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't fall asleep now. This is good. He's talking about the year of Jubilee in the Old Testament. How that the year of Jubilee was the 15th year and how that when the year of Jubilee came, number one, if you had any debt, the debt was canceled. How many, how many would like for the year of Jubilee to come back? If you were a slave, the year of Jubilee, they would walk in and unshackle you and open the door and say, go free. Woo! I think there's a message there, my friend. In fact, if you lost your land because you could not pay your debt, all of the land was given back to the original owner. And that's why the Bible said in verse 20 and 21, when Jesus had read this, he went over, he closed the book, he gave the book of Isaiah back to the attendant, and the Bible said that Jesus went and he sat down. 
You know what he was saying? When he closed that book, the same thing he would say on the cross, it is finished. I have come. The anointing is upon me to preach the gospel, the good news. And this is what he was saying. Now, if you have a sin debt, you can be forgiven. If you've lost your stuff, you can be restored. Your debt can be canceled. And let me tell you, if you are a slave, Jesus was saying, I have the key to your handcuffs. And I've come to unloose you and unlock the gate. And you can go free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus closed the book and sat down. I'm closing. Turn to someone and say, He's closing. This is the first time I close. How many of those preachers close at least five times before you leave? forget everything else, remember this. Jesus goes over, closes the book, hands it back to the attendant, and he sets down. And the Bible says that every eye in the synagogue was fixed on Jesus. In other words, they wondered, does he have anything else to say? Nope. And the Bible says that they were astounded at what Christ said. My friend, my question to you and I this morning is who and what are you looking to for your hope? The Bible says that every eye was fixed on Jesus. You know what happened? While he was proclaiming that he was the anointed one, and while he was proclaiming that I've come to set you free, I've come, I am the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. They were amazed and faith began to rise in their hearts. That's why when you and I accept Jesus Christ, we know the Lord is our Savior. I want to remind you this morning that we don't have to wait to the 15th year to be blessed. We don't have to wait for the 15th year of the year of Jubilee. Every day in the child of God's life is a year of Jubilee. Jesus was the fulfillment of that verse of Scripture. And now we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's why Hebrews says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's why Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's why the Bible says that Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How many realizes this morning that you are living out the year of Jubilee because you are free by the power of Jesus Christ? Hallelujah. So what I would say to you this morning, what I would encourage you to do this morning, is fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ.
Oh, my Lord Jesus. When my wife and I were pastoring, there were many, many times people would come into my office and they would share their story. Pastor, this happened. Pastor, I'm going through this. Pastor, this has happened. And as a pastor, you want to help everybody and you try your best to help people. But you know what? Sometimes pastor doesn't have your answer. Sometimes you just have to refocus your focus. Sometimes you just have to get to that place in your life where you say, you know what, I have to fix my eyes on Christ because if I don't fix my eyes on Christ, I'm not going to make it through this. So I encourage you to fix your eyes on Christ, but I want to remind you that Christ has His eyes fixed on you. Because the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ear is open to their cry. So God would say to us this morning, there is hope. There is hope. But the reason so many people are hopeless is because they're looking to the wrong person. And they're looking to the wrong things in life. When the reality is God saying, why don't you look unto me? Would you fix your eyes on me? In fact, I would dare to say this morning that many of us keep looking to the left. We keep looking to the right. Trying to find whatever it is we're looking for. And reality is when God is saying, just look up. Fix your eyes on me. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Stop trying to solve your own problems and your own issues. Yes, use wisdom. Yes, use discernment. Yes, use God-given good common sense. But at the end of the day, Jesus really is the only one that can help us. Stand to your feet this morning. Can we just lift one hand toward heaven right now and just lift our eyes to the, to the skies and say, Lord... I fix my eyes upon you. I look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. While Pastor Gary sings, just reach up to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, touch me. Lord, heal me. Lord, deliver me. You said you came for me, God. I'm in captivity. I'm bound. I'm oppressed. Jesus, you said you came for me. Reach out to him this morning, my friend, and allow him to change your life. You're not going to figure it out by yourself. Today is the day of salvation. Allow the Lord to come into your life. Allow him to do a work in your heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. Above him. Jesus is Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you've heard the message of hope today. Is there anybody today that would like to respond to the message? You stand today at a place where maybe Jesus is not the Lord of your life, where you don't have this hope deep inside of you. 
Is there anybody here today that would just raise their hand and say, you know what, I'd like to pray and I'd like to give my heart to the Lord. Is there anybody here today at all? There's one. Is there anybody else? There's two. Is there anybody else? There's three. Is there anybody else? Making things right with the Lord today. Letting that message of hope, the Lord, get down in your heart. Three folks, is there anybody else? We're going to pray. If you would, repeat this prayer with me. That's not magic necessarily in the words, but it's the heart behind the words. The confession of, about who Jesus is. If you would, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus... We confess today that we are sinners, that we do not have the hope that came in the manger, but we want it. We confess and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, sent from the Father, and died on the cross for our sins. We confess it with our mouth. We believe it in our hearts, and we give God everything that we are, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate with these folks that have gotten saved this morning.